This day, we thank you, Father, for the Word of God. We thank you, Father, that it's the foundation to all that we believe and all that we know about you. Father, we thank you that uh, you, you protected and watched over and guided the path of your Word through the centuries to get it down to us today to use, Father, to base our faith upon. And so we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you that the Word of God is not just printed words on a page, but it's supernatural words from heaven. They're alive, Father. They contain revelation, insight, and wisdom. And so we thank you for that, Father. We give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, all right. Well, we'll continue in the book of Philippians here. Of course, we're in chapter 4, so we're getting close to the end of, of the book here. <clears throat> and um, Paul is kind of winding up some things here. And, um, uh, and again, the overall um, book of Philippians was really... Uh, just a letter of thanks to the church at Philippi for helping Paul. Of course, um, Philippi was an area of Macedonia, which is kind of a Eastern Europe area today. Uh, and um, uh, Paul, had, of course, traveled all over that area uh, for many years. You know, when he'd go on a missionary journey, he'd be gone for years at a time, right? And so he wouldn't go for a week and stay and, um, you know, uh, Today's missionary trips oftentimes are, you know, they're for a week or two weeks at a time. And, and a lot of times, especially Americans, they really struggle with being gone for, you know, even a few days after about day three. If things aren't comfortable, if things aren't, uh, 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 if there's not enough food or not enough uh, supplies or whatever it is, you know, a lot of times people will kind of break down and have a difficult time of that. And, um, and of course, Paul kind of addresses some of that. Uh, in this in this last uh, notes to the book at Philippi, but I wanted to, to just uh, start back in verse ten and just read verse ten because it's it gives us the context of verse eleven where we were at last week. Uh, in verse ten, he said, "But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at, at last your care of me has flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity." So uh, he says, "Has flourished again." So there was a time when they were able to help Paul, and then. Uh, for whatever reason, as Paul traveled, they, they probably didn't, uh, um, he, said they lacked, he said they lacked opportunity, they didn't lack resources. So uh, it implies there that uh, maybe they just lost where he was at, which would be easy to do. You know, you think about 2,000 years ago, it would be easy to lose where people were at. Uh, and then he says, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in what, whatsoever state I am, there were to be content. Uh, they were content, there means to be independent, of external circumstances. <clears throat> and so really, people of faith should be uh, uh, independent of external circumstances. So if the economy is good, you know, we're good. Uh, if the economy is bad, you know, we're still good. Uh, and uh, uh, that, that's really being independent of external circumstances. So <clears throat> oftentimes, you know, the church as a whole uh, is not independent of external circumstances. They're very de dependent on external circumstances like the rest of the world is. Uh, and we should distinguish ourselves as the church, uh, people of faith, because uh, if it's true that the Lord will never leave us or forsake us, if it's true the Lord is always on our side and he'll provide for us in every circumstance or situation, then it, doesn't, it shouldn't matter what comes our way, right? It shouldn't matter what we read in the papers. It shouldn't matter what we see on TV. It shouldn't matter what the economists say. Uh, the economy of God is that we are always okay. And of course, there's plenty of stories in the scriptures, supernatural stories in the Old Testament uh, where the prophets, you know, were, were provided for supernaturally. 
But even in the New Testament, you know, when, when um, Jesus was visiting at Peter's house uh, and they came by and said, uh, and asked Peter, you know, are you going to pay your taxes? Oh, yeah, I, I am. And of course, the whole time he's like, I have no idea how I'm going to do that. Uh, but then he went in and, and Jesus said, you know, had a conversation with them. And he said, well, go down and uh, cast a, a line into the water and the first fish that you get, open it up and there'll be a gold coin, right? Or some, uh, uh, I think it was a coin there, but it was gold uh, and use that and pay both our taxes, right? My taxes and your taxes. And so uh, that was a supernatural provision uh, that the Lord provided for Peter uh, and also for him, right? Because he, he said, uh, he said, you know, I don't really feel like I have to do this, but for their benefit, he, he paid the taxes, not for his benefit, but for the benefit of the Romans because he didn't want them all to get all bent out of shape uh, because of that. Uh, but that's supernatural provision. And the Lord will provide that to us uh, if we will be in faith, right? Now, Jesus, of course, was in faith. Uh, Peter wasn't so much in faith there, but the Lord still had mercy on him in that situation. And, you know, really, if the church as a whole would, would remain in faith, and especially, I believe, the ministers, if the minister would stay in faith, then they wouldn't, we, they wouldn't be under so much pressure about finances, you know. And, and, uh, and we see that more so um, from the ministry, I think, just because it's public. Uh, but, uh, you know, a lot, I know a lot of people are desperate uh, for, for finances. I mean, of course, you know, we're a church here, so people come in all the time just desperate for money, right? Uh, and um, uh, we, were, we were down with uh, uh, Mark Hankins, and, and uh, he made a statement. I need to get the exact quote of that, but he said basically that, he said, uh, poor will always be poor or something to that effect, you know, but, uh, uh, you know, there's a mentality of poverty that people, that some people have, right? They think poverty, they act poverty-minded, and everything they do, and it seems like no matter how much money they have, it just like sand through their fingers, right? I mean, you can give them $1,000 today, and it's gone tomorrow. And I know lots of people like that, you know, uh, just here today, gone tomorrow, you know. If I was in need and, and somebody gave me $1,000, I could milk that $1,000 for weeks or months at a, uh, on end, right, if I had to. But a lot of times, you know, poverty-minded people, they're just desperate, you know, and, and, um, uh, and, and they will remain that way all their life until they learn something about faith, right? Because even, uh, you know, we've read all those stories, see all those stories when people that are in that mindset, oftentimes when they win the lottery, and in five years, it's all gone, right? Millions of dollars are all gone. I remember one lady... She, she had nothing before the lottery. She won the lottery. Now, it's a fixed amount of money, right? It's not like it's going to be forever, right? Now, you, depending on how you get it, but most of them get a lump sum. Give me a check. So she got a check, and one of the first things she bought was an airplane. I'm thinking, you bought a multi-million dollar airplane, and it's not, you know, if you're making millions of dollars a year, I don't care. I mean, I don't care anyway, right? But, but uh, you know, if, if you've got a lump sum of money, and there's no more money coming in after that, right? And you take that, and you go buy an airplane, which... A jet airplane costs about a million dollars a year of just maintenance, right? The FAA has all kinds of requirements. It have to have inspections and upgrades and all these things. And, and it's expensive to own an airplane, right? And, and so, but there's no, no, no concept of what's going to happen tomorrow, right? Uh, and so, um, of course, she didn't ask me. If she'd asked me, I'd have said, that doesn't sound like a wise thing to do. You know, a wise thing would be to pay off all your debts, Invest most of that money, you know, long term so that you have stable income the rest of your life and then, you know, go on vacation or whatever. You know, once you do that, then, then the rest of it's, you know, gravy, right? But uh, uh, now, again, she didn't ask me, but uh, of 
course, number one thing I would always do is I'd write a big check to the Lord, right? And, and uh, I'd tithe on it and give a substantial offering, uh, you know, especially if it's, I mean, I think the last Powerball lottery was over a billion dollars, right? Can you imagine if you want a billion dollars? Uh, and so, you know, people are like, oh, people keep calling me. You can call all you want to, I'm not going to answer it, you know. And so, uh, if, you, if you were calling me before I won a billion dollars, I'm not answering after I won a billion dollars, right? I'm your long-lost cousin. I don't care, you know, uh, so what? Uh, and so, <laughs> it wouldn't, I wouldn't lose a wink of sleep over it. But anyway, so, uh, but uh, Paul said, not that I speak in respect of want, for I've learned in what, whatsoever state I am there with to be content. So, he was independent of external circumstances. So, he wasn't happy when he was well, well off, he wasn't sad when he was not well off. He was exactly the same regardless of his financial situation. And, and you know, and, and he does talk about uh, later on about being in want, and um, we'll get to that in more detail later on. Uh, and, and there are times and seasons when, uh, you know, if, if you're just, you know, uh, probably most of the church is called to have a stable life, uh, earn, a, earn a living, uh, and provide support to their local church, right? Both physically and financially. Uh, and they, they, you know, most people are not in the pulpit, but some people are in the pulpit. And sometimes the Lord will send them into situations that are difficult, right? That there's, there's nothing there. You go and start something from nothing. Uh, and so in situations like that, sometimes uh, you have to be in an extra faith because there's no resources when you arrive, right? There's no finances, there's, no, there, there's nothing there. And, and so there is a time, sometimes a season, where you won't have everything that you need or desire or want. Uh, it, it doesn't have to stay that way, and the purpose of faith is to change that circumstance. But sometimes we see, uh, depending on your calling, that the Lord will send you into a situation where uh, all the resources aren't there, right? I think that's different than just your average Christian who the Lord will provide for them uh, on a daily basis, give us this day our daily bread, uh, and... Uh, provide them a, a comfortable, sustained lifestyle that they have money to provide to the Lord uh, to establish His covenant according to the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, and, um, and so some of these things that Paul is talking about, about being in want, I, I think that's, that's more reserved for those that are called into a situation where there's no resources. Uh, and so, uh, because we don't see that, in, in, we never saw that with Jesus, right? Jesus was called to stay in the, in the uh, nation of Israel uh, and I know it does say that, that Jesus was made poor so that we might be made rich. And everybody focuses only on the fact that Jesus was poor. Uh, there was it in 2 Corinthians 8, 9, that, uh, that he was made uh, poor so that we could be rich. Let's see if it's, there. If it's not there. We'll go find it there. Yeah, it says in 2 Corinthians 8, 9, For we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. And, of course, people focus only on the fact that Jesus was poor, and they forget to talk about, well, then, if that's true, then I can be rich, right? Is that what it says, right? That he, he through his poverty, could be rich. Uh, and so, but then uh, you've got to ask yourself, because it says, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. So, you know, again, uh, people like to focus on things, and they don't really, uh, they have a preconceived uh, idea of what they want to say that God doesn't want us to be wealthy. Well, it literally says right there that he wants us to be rich, right? Which rich, uh, the, the basic definition of rich is to have a full supply. So there's a full supply to do what? Whatever the Lord wants you to do, right? If the Lord wants you to give an extra $1,000, 
And then it's not, you just write a check for a thousand. Now, some people, you know, writing a check for a thousand dollars, to them it'd be like, there's no way. I could never do that, right? Uh, but then for other people, it's like, that's, that's kind of the ante, right? That's the, that's the starting place. Uh, and so again, uh, the amount is not important. It, it's just that uh, the concept is that you have a full supply. So you don't have a, and according to Ephesians 3.20, that he's able to do it exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask. Uh, and, you know, Luke 6.38, that, he'll, that uh, if you give that with good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, shall man give into your bosom. So that sounds rich, like rich to me, right? Uh, now, if Jesus was, was rich, when was he rich then? Where was Jesus before he came to the earth? He was in heaven, right? And so, uh, relatively speaking, uh, if, if you lived in heaven on streets of gold, would you could be considered rich, right? Uh, well, I mean, if, if your mailbox just was made out of gold, you'd be considered rich, right? But uh, it wasn't just the mailbox. It's the streets, you know, and the foundations, and, you know, there's uh, all kinds of, of uh, gems and pearls and, and, and uh, expensive items. And, and it's interesting because uh, the, the list of materials that we see that heaven is made out of, uh, uh, gold that's transparent, clear as, clear as glass, uh, and pearl, uh, pearl gates, they're all items that we find in earth. So it's interesting that the Lord patterned the earth after the things that he, he uh, has in heaven. Uh, and so... Yes, Jesus was rich. Uh, did he live on streets of gold on the earth? No. So, uh, so the, the thing you have to understand and, and appreciate is it says that, that he became poor, right? But then what does the word poor mean? You know, if you think about it, poor is one of those words that it has to be compared to the guy sitting next to you, right? Because if everybody made the exact same amount of money in, in the world, there'd be no poor people, there'd be no rich people. Right? They'd be only people. So the reason why there's poor people in the earth is because there are rich people in the earth. Right? And so I know that's kind of a basic economic uh, understanding. But, uh, and so, so uh, what's, the, what's the comparison? It says he was rich and now he's poor. So the comparison is what he was before he arrived in the earth. So compared to what he was before he arrived in the earth, the way that he was on the earth was he was just dirt poor. But people think, well, then if he was dirt poor, he had nothing. But if that's true, uh, how many apostles were there? There was 12 apostles, right? And he called them, right? He called them, he, he, he called them out. And, and what did they all do as far as their current uh, uh, job situation? When he called them, what did they do? Fishing. They left, right? They were fishing. Right? Many of them were fishermen. Uh, Matthew was a tax collector, right? Uh, and so we know it was tax collectors, we know they were fishermen. Uh, they all left their, their jobs, and they followed Jesus. So, uh, so now he's responsible for their, for their livelihood. We don't know about most of them, but Peter, we know, was married, right? Uh, and so he had a mother-in-law that he cared for that lived with him. Uh, he had a wife that he, that he cared for, that he was responsible for. So, so who, is, who, who was the apostle's employer? It was Jesus, right? Now, uh, if, if that's the case, then um, he's not poor compared to other people on the earth, right? Not compared to everybody on the earth. He, he wasn't rich like a king, uh, although if you remember when he was born, they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh to him, expensive items. 
Uh, and, and do you think that uh, Mary and Joseph probably kept some of that back for him? I mean, I imagine they did. Uh, and so, um, but, you know, who knows? They may have spent it all. I mean, whether they did, did or not. Jesus had the, the ability to uh, fund those that were he called out from their jobs, separated from their jobs, and now provided for their income. Uh, and, and besides that, what, what was, uh, what was uh, the job for Judas? What was his job in the ministry? He was a treasurer. And where, where did uh, Judas travel uh, whenever Jesus was traveling? He traveled with Jesus, right? Uh, now, you all traveled to come to church tonight. How many of you brought your accountant with you, your treasurer with you? That you, you got your banker with you, right? I mean, we call him a banker. You got your banker with you, right? What's that? She's home. She's home. Well, why do you need a, a personal accountant or banker or treasurer or, or the one who's responsible for the money bag if you don't have anything? I mean, you don't, you don't assign somebody, you know, okay, we're going to have, we're going to assign somebody in this church to be, you know, the, the watchdog over the nuclear power station here at the church. Well, we don't have a nuclear power station at our church, so there's no need for that role, but we're going to count it anyway. We're going to call, you know, anybody want that job? Uh, and so, you know, it, it's, uh, I don't know why they make such a big deal of it. Jesus had to care for these 12 people and their families, and he had enough coming in that he had to assign somebody specifically responsible for uh, collecting the income, counting the income, make sure it was spent uh, correctly, even though he did a terrible job at it. And he was a thief, right? The Bible says he was a thief, so, you know. Uh, but, see, he was a thief. Why did nobody notice it? You know, if you got so much money coming in and you're just skimming off the top, how long before anybody would notice? Now, Jesus knew it, but, but did Matthew, did, did you think Peter, if he knew it, he'd have shut up, been quiet about it? No, he'd have, he'd have called him out and, and uh, you know, probably done him physical harm, no doubt, now, if he knew what, what Judas was really doing, right? And so, so apparently they had enough income that Judas could steal off the top and nobody would really know. Uh, and so, uh, uh, and, and, you know, just to uh, uh, fill in a few more details, uh, and this is a little bit of my opinion here, but I, I think it, if you look at the whole story uh, of, of Judas uh, and why he ended up what he did, um, uh, to me, it makes sense, though. So Judas, Judas was skimming off the top, right? And so uh, how many times had, had you reckon uh, that he'd seen Jesus where they tried to kill him and he walked through the midst of them? You reckon he ever saw that? He probably saw that many times, just like the other apostles, right? Jesus, they tried to stone him and kill him, and, and he just walked through the midst of him. So uh, uh, when he made that deal with the Pharisees for 30 pieces of silver, you know, he, uh, he's thinking... Okay, they're going to come and get Jesus. You know, I'm going to rat them out. They're going to come and get Jesus. But I need that 30 pieces of silver to, to put it back in the money bag so nobody knows that I've been stealing so I can cover my debts there. And it doesn't matter anyway because they're going to come and try to attack Jesus. He's going to walk through the midst of them. It, no harm, no foul, right? Uh, I'm going to turn him in. He's going to get out like he always has gotten out. And no big deal, right? Did it turn out that way? It didn't turn out that way, right? Because, it, in fact, he, he, you know, uh, it, see, that, that, that's what he's... Now, you think about the remorse then that he had. He was planning on Jesus getting out of it, and Jesus didn't get out of it. In fact, Jesus went to the cross and died a horrible death, and, and Judas got to see all of that, and all of that was because of him, right? All of that because he turned Jesus in at the Garden of Gethsemane. But he did that because he was a thief, and he was trying to put the money, bag, money back in the bag so nobody would know he was a thief, uh, and thinking, well, nobody's going to notice, Right? Jesus will walk through the midst of them like always and, and no big deal. And so, 
But anyway, so uh, there, there's so much, there's so much um, uh, passionate statements in, uh, in the church and related to finances, and we shouldn't be that passionate about it. I mean, money is a necessary tool. We got to have money. Everybody has to have money, right? Nobody cannot have money, right? Even people that don't have money, the government gives them money, right? And so uh, everybody has to have money. That, that's the way the whole world economy works, right? It used to be you didn't need money. You just had a, if you had a cow and a chicken, you could trade that for, you know, potatoes and carrots, right? But nowadays, you know, uh, we need finances. We need physical finances. You know, that's the easiest way to exchange goods in, in the earth today. And yeah, we got people that, that you know, they want to live off the grid and that's great, you know, but, but at the end of the day, if you could even got to go to, you know, got to go to Walmart and buy toilet paper, but you got to, you can't give them a chicken, right? They want, they want money, right? And so, uh, and so that just from a practical standpoint in, in our world, uh, that's the only real, realistic thing is to have there. So, so uh, we shouldn't be so, so, so um, zealous in our statements about finances because it should just be a tool that we use and you should get as much as you need and you should get more than you need so that you can give to the Lord. Uh, and, um, and, and that's it, right? And so we had talked last week about First Timothy chapter 6, so I think it'd be good to kind of finish up there, finish up that, that uh, portion of Scripture. Uh, and so uh, we had started in verse 6, First Timothy chapter 6, it said, but godliness for contentment is great gain. So uh, that seems like that would be something that we want to pursue, right? If it's great gain, if it's of great value, then we should try to be godlike, right? That's what godliness means, to be like God, uh, and with contentment. Uh, and, and, and this word contentment is slightly different than the word content uh, from uh, Philippians. This one means to be possessed with unfailing strength. Uh, and so... Uh, but in that, you know, it just means that no matter what the circumstances are, we're strong. Right? If, if the economy's good, we're good, right? And it's very similar to the other word contentment there. But this one, it, it's the actual strength itself uh, that this word contentment implies is what allows us to be content, right? To be uh, independent from external circumstances. Uh, and then he says, for we brought nothing into this world and it's certain we can carry nothing out. Uh, and having food and raiment, there with, uh, let us therewith be content. But they that will be rich fall into the temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in the destruction of perdition. So, so the issue here then is, is the, the part about what's your desires and goals, right? Uh, and so, uh, the, and we talked last week, so we compared this verse, right, in Philippians or Second Tim or First Timothy chapter 6 um, and verse 9 about... Uh, they that will be rich follow the temptation to snare back with Mark chapter 10, right? So Mark chapter 10, you remember, uh, in fact, it would be good just to read that again, right? Because we've got to find the, we want to find the balance of these things. We don't want to be a one, one extreme or the other. I know back in the 80s, it was, you know, whoever dies with the most toys wins, right? Uh, and it was a big push. You weren't spiritual unless you were driving around gold-plated, you know, cars and all this foolishness and you know, uh, and uh, I was going to say something about your dog having an air-conditioned doghouse, but I'd say, you know, we probably have people around here. That, <laughs> but, you know, if you're in that business, it's probably okay, right? Uh, and so, uh, but um, my dog has an air-conditioned doghouse. It's called my house, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and so, uh, but it was, it was very, it, it was, there was such an emphasis on uh, you, you had to prove you're spiritual by how big your bank account was. And it wasn't even about, about how big your bank account was. 
it, you had to prove how spiritual you were by the physical expression of what you had, right? So you had to have the biggest house, biggest cars, uh, the most uh, extravagant lifestyle. Uh, and that's really uh, the, the $64 word for that is being ostentatious, right? It's just being showy and look at me. And, and it, was, it was pathetic, right? I mean, it was embarrassing. Uh, and so there was a big rebellion that went on in the church that uh, we went from that way extreme over there to, well, then we need to be all poverty over here. But the, the problem with, with both of those mentalities is that's not what the Word of God teaches, right? And so we should find the balance of that. So Timothy says, Paul told Timothy, you know, don't, don't desire to be rich. And that's really the issue is, uh, and we all know people, they, they want to be rich. That's, that's just, they want to be rich. And why? They want, they want to buy everything they, they see, right? And of course, uh, we know our good friend John Osteen, he's gone home to be a Lord now. He says, you can't buy everything your beady little eyes look at, right? Uh, but there was such a drive to accumulate things, right? Just, I want to have the biggest cars, the biggest houses, the biggest everything, you just extravagant lifestyles. And, and your whole mentality was revolved around, what can I buy next? And that's, 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 an, that's a valid, I mean, that's a valid uh, um, criticism on that whole mentality, is uh, how can I show that I'm the wealthiest person in the world, right? Gold rings, and I don't care what you have, right? But because but, uh, some people can have gold rings and it's no big deal, right? But some people can have gold rings and it's like, look at me. And so if the, if the who's going to judge that? Well, that's between you and the Lord. It's not my, jo- my job to judge, amen? Someone comes with a gold, gold ring or gold, I could care less, right? I mean, it, it won't bother me a bit. If you drive it in a Bentley, I don't care. But if you drive it in a Bentley, say, hey, come look at my Bentley, right? Uh, and, and so... Uh, it, it's uh, uh, the, the problem is you can't point your finger at, at it and say, well, that's right and that's wrong. It's, it's a judgment of the heart, right? They that will be rich. It's not those who have things. It's that their goal is to be rich, right? Now, uh, and Paul said that's, that, uh, he, what he said there, he said, if that's your, if that's your uh, goal is to be rich, he said, you will fall into temptation and a snare. Because when people's motivation is to be rich, they will do whatever they can to get there. Uh, and I know a lot of ministers, they do things and say things that I would never do. Did, you know, their, their concept of how they handle money and deal with money and, you know, how they deal with people outside the church. You know, they think if I can, if I can you know, uh, uh, shortchange that guy 50 cents on the dollar, then, then I'm ahead. Uh, and, and, um, and I know, you know, I've talked to uh, more, than, more than one person, right? I told you the contractor that we had here uh, said, I don't like dealing with, the, you know, this was many years ago, back in 2000, and uh, about 2013, about 10 years ago. He said, I don't like working with churches because they won't pay. You get done with a job, and they'd be like, well, this is the Lord's work. You know, we, we, we can't do this. You know, we can't, we can't pay all that money. But you said you're going to pay the money. Well, I know I said that, but this is the Lord's work. You know, we can't afford that. Uh, and, and so, and of course, we've always paid uh, for everything here. Uh, and uh, and we the, our church has a good reputation in town, right? Everybody knows that if uh, if you do work in this church, then you get paid, right? And and uh, and I can't I can't uh, uh, pay you fast enough, right? If if I could figure out a way to pay you faster, I'd pay you faster, right? But um, we're not going to be we're not going to owe anybody anything. Uh, but but the uh, so so going back to the churches, then so Paul Paul said. That if your goal is to do that, then, then there's going to be temptation, right? Temptation to maintain that, that status, right? Temptation to 
to uh, bend your, your, um, uh, your conscience and your morals and your ethics to maintain that, that lifestyle, right? Uh, and so, uh, and, and a snare, right? So that, that will snare your, if, you, if you're starting to, to uh, subvert your own conscience, conscience to, uh, to maintain that lifestyle, then that's going to be a problem. Said, and you'll fall into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction of perdition. So again, the, the, uh, the goal is, I just want to be rich. I want to, I want to buy everything. I want to have everything. Uh, and you, uh, we know all kinds of people over the years that if you looked at them, uh, you go, nobody would ever say, that's a rich person, right? There was a fellow that I heard just died recently up in, I think, Connecticut somewhere. He died. And he left his, the library or the community like $3 million. And he said, if you met this guy, he's just a guy, right? But, um, uh, you know, he, he was actually a very wealthy person, but he was just a guy. And really, that's what the Lord is asking us to be, is just, just be a regular person, amen? If you have to have this pretense of, of, of the appearance of looking like something, then, then that's a, he called it a snare and a temptation. Uh, and so, uh, then we've got to balance that, because the, if you're not careful, you say, well, then it's, then it's wrong to be rich, it's not wrong to be rich. It's just wrong to, to have a, an overwhelming desire and a goal to be rich. And so, uh, well, you can't have one with the other, can you? Well, I mean, remember what Jesus said there? Uh, this was uh, in the rich young ruler story in Mark, Mark chapter 10. And after uh, he had told the, the rich young ruler to, to uh, sell what he had and give to the poor, and then, of course, the rich young ruler said, you know, I can't do that, and he left. And, and Peter's like, began to say to him, Lord, uh, lo, we have left all and have followed you. And so Peter's like, well, Lord, we, we did that. Can we get, you know, do we, we get something? I mean, we did what you told this guy to do. We've already done that, right? We've left everything uh, and followed you. Didn't they do that, right? He quit fishing, right? He was a professional fisherman. John was a professional fisherman. Matthew was was tax collector. Uh, and Jesus said, verily I say unto you that there is no man that had left houses, house, right? Was that a physical thing? It's a physical thing. Can you look at it? Can you count it? Yeah. Uh, house or brethren or sisters or father or, or mothers or wives or children or lands. Is lands a physical thing? And what, what was the, what was the um, measure of wealth in their day? It was houses and lands, right? It, there was no cars. There was no you know, motorcycles, no diamond uh, watches. and uh, there, were, there were no, um, uh, I don't know, when did, when did they make the first Rolex? Was it at, when Jesus was around? No, I don't think it was. <laughs> Uh, no, it was houses and lands, right? And so Jesus said, look, if you've left these things, he said, for my sake and the gospel's sake, right? So again, what's your motivation is you wanting to serve the Lord, right? Uh, and sometimes the Lord will have you just move things uh, or do things, right? And the Lord called me and Chris to come to Dayton. He said, you leave. We were in Putnam County. Lord said, you leave and come here. Uh, and so we just left. You know, we've been there for 20. We loved that city, right? We loved, we loved where we lived and Lord said, you, uh, you just leave. All right, we left. So, uh, you know, you just, you do what the Lord says to do. He said, if you do that from, for my sake and the gospel's sake, so what's your motivation is to, is to serve the Lord. Uh, and what was the motivation of the, the fellow, the Timothy, Paul was telling Timothy about to serve himself, right? I want to be rich. I want to have things and I want to be rich. And so uh, Jesus said, if you do these things for my sake and the gospel's sake, he said, you shall receive a hundredfold now in this time. Uh, so when will you receive a hundredfold? Now. now, in this time, right? Well, it's this time, the time that you're on the earth, right? Because later on he says, 
uh, and in the world to come, eternal life. So he's talking about both now and in the, in the future, right? When we go to heaven, we will get eternal life. But he said, right now, so what, but what do you get right now? He said, houses. Well, isn't that, what you, isn't that a natural thing? Uh, now, personally, I don't want 100 houses. I mean, I barely want one house, because if you have one house, you've got you to gotta mow it, you've got you to gotta vacuum it, you've got to paint it, right? Uh, and if you have 100 of them, you've got to do that 100 times over. Uh, and so, uh, and, and of course, I think, Chris, I think you rebuked me one time for saying that. Don't say that, because if the Lord wants, what if the Lord wants to give you 100 houses? Well, then I'd, uh, okay, Lord, give me 100 houses, I'll probably sell them, you know, and or I will ask you what to do with it. That would be the appropriate thing to do, right? If you want me to keep them and whatever, that's fine. But houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands, right? So basically everything you gave up, the Lord said he'll return a hundredfold when? Now in this time. So a hundred, I mean, if you had a, one house, people might think, you, you know, you're fairly well-to-do, right? You own your own house. You don't rent, you own your own house. So, you know, you're, people think you're, you're reasonably well-off. If you had a hundred houses, people think, wow, you know, they must be rich. They have a hundred, you've got a hundred houses? Yeah, uh, where'd you get 100 houses? I'd serve the Lord. Uh, I just do whatever he tells me to do, uh, and, and I give up anything that he wants me to do for his sake and the gospel's sake. And no matter what I give away, I get 100 times back. And that, is that what Jesus says? So, uh, again, are, are we, you know, people think, well, Paul and Jesus were in conflict. They weren't in conflict at all, right? They, uh, if we will focus on the call of God upon our lives, not just in the ministry, but whatever God's called you to do, and I believe, you know, the majority of the church, he's called people to just earn a living and, and provide assistance to the local church and, and, and uh, go on mission trips and, and, and help in the nursery and provide income for the church. Uh, you know, whatever it is that the Lord's called you to do, you know, he's called people to do work in nurseries and, and sing on the praise and worship team. Um, if, you're, if your heart's desire is to serve the Lord and to do whatever he tells you to do, right? Go to that church or go say to that to that person or go... Help this person in that way. Go give that person whatever I need you to give them. Well, then you're doing what Jesus is saying here, right? If you give up anything for his sake and the gospel's sake, he said, uh, whatever it is you've given up, I'll return it a hundredfold. And so, uh, but of course he said, with persecutions, right? So we don't really like that part, but that's still part of the deal, right? Why? Because people who live by faith will be persecuted. Uh, And if you're living by faith, you know, again, our goal is not to be rich, but if we, if we, just live the way the Lord wants us to do, he will say, well, you need to go do this or sell this or buy that. Or, you know, I can't tell you, uh, uh, you know, one time I was, uh, I was at work, this is many years ago. And, you know, you have investments that they do at work. And, and one day the Lord said, I was just, I was minding my own business, just working at my computer. And the Lord said, sell all your stock in the company. Uh, and, you know, you, you put aside so much out of your paycheck every week to, to buy the company stock as your, as your retirement plan. And I just thought that was really odd because, first of all, I didn't know, is that, is, can you do that? Right? I didn't know that was an option because I thought you had to stay with that company stock all through your career. Then at the end of your career, then you could exchange that for whatever. And so I called up whoever you call up, right, uh, and said, uh, can I sell all the stock and convert it to just, you know, like a mutual fund? Uh, and uh, I said, yeah, you could do that. I said, really? Okay. So I did that. But, of course, uh, do I, and, I, and I'm, I told the story years ago. I said, look, I don't know anything about stocks. And as soon as I got done with the service, you know, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't a pastor, you know, but I was filling in from a pastor at the time. Someone came up to me out right of the service and said, so what stock should I buy? I just told you, I don't know, any, you know, I don't know anything about stocks. The Lord just said this to do it, right? Uh, and so, but when I look back and I looked at it, when I sold that stock, that was the highest the stock had ever been and it had never been that high since then. It only came down since then. And, and, and of course, now it's, it's a totally different company. They've been bought and sold several times. 
since then. But does the Lord know that? So that was the best time to sell, right? Uh, and so then I could take that money, and it's increased significantly since then because uh, of the leading of the Lord and, and how he does those things. Now, I, I wasn't, my goal was to be, well, I, don't, I wasn't watching the stock every day, go, should I sell now? No. I wasn't doing anything. I was just working, you know, at my desk, uh, minding my own business. And so, you know, the Lord, if, you're, if your desire is to serve the Lord, uh, then his desire is to return to you a hundredfold of whatever you give up on his behalf. Uh, and, and so I was in a service one time, and, they were, and a pastor was reading the story, reading these verses, these exact verses right here. And he said, see, he said, uh, if I give up anything, I get a hundredfold. He said, I've given up everything to be this pastor, so you all need to give me a lot of stuff. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm like, uh, are you taking questions? Because that's not really what he's saying. I don't use this to, to coerce money out of your pocket, right? He said, the Lord will provide that, right? Now, how he does that, that's up to him, right? Uh, and so uh, it's, uh, uh, to me, it's, it's unfortunate how often the ministry has used the word of God to get an extra dollar out of your pocket. Right. Uh, and, and it's really it, to me, it's just it's a, a almost criminal. And really, from a spiritual standpoint, it is criminal because remember what Paul told Timothy that uh, let's go back into first first Timothy chapter six there. So we want to make sure we find that we keep the balance there, because if we don't have the balance, you're going to get way over here. I want to be rich, 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 rich. Or you go over here. I just want to be poverty, part of poverty. Uh, and um, the, the balance is I want to serve the Lord. If you want to serve the Lord. The Lord will, will provide for you uh, as much as he possibly can. And look, just from a practical standpoint, there are just certain people that they're just terrible with money. You ever just known people that it doesn't matter how much money they got, they got no money. If they got a lot of money, they got no money. If they got, if they got no money, they still got no money because uh, they just spend all the time. And, and um, I know one of the things when Chris and I first got married, uh, I was, uh, uh, I was uh, reading... Uh, over in James, let's see if we can find it here, uh, that uh, uh, James chapter, let's see, James chapter 4, I think. Let's see, James chapter 4. Um, yeah, he says uh, in James chapter 4, verse 3, he says, you ask and receive not uh, because you ask amiss or ask incorrectly. So is it a biblical principle that you can ask and receive? Sure it is, right? But it's also true that if you ask with the wrong motive, that, he, that you'll not receive, right? And so what's the wrong motive? Well, he says right there that you may consume it upon your lusts or just your own desires, right? Or I just, I just well, that sounds, like, that sounds to me like 1 Timothy chapter 6, right? That he who would be rich, well, I just want to be rich. So I, I want to look like I'm rich. I want to drive around rich. I want to, I want to live rich. I, I want to be rich. Uh, and so what do you want to do? You want to consume everything you have on your own lusts. And I remember before I got married, reading this. Now, I've been married for 34 years now, right? And so, uh, and I'm thinking, you know, Lord, I don't want to, I don't want to live where, where I take every penny out of my paycheck. So I'm going to buy this with that penny. I'm going to buy this with that penny. I'm going to buy this with that penny. I, I want to consume everything I, I earn on my desires. So I want to live below that so that if I'm going to give extra to you, and that's really what we thought. If I want to give extra to you, then I can. Uh, and I don't want to live in such a way that, that I, if you tell me to give an extra dollar, I'd be like, I don't know, Lord, that's going to break us. You know, I mean, some people, they can't afford to give a dollar, and that's fine, right? I'm, I don't care. I don't check up on it. But 
If Lord says, I need you, again, the Lord says, right? I'm not saying if, if me as a pastor says, because I'm, do I ever tell you how much money to give? I don't ever tell you how much money to give, right? None of my business. It's between you and the Lord. Now, we do talk about some biblical principles, but as far as the amount can go, that's between you and the Lord. But see, the problem people get in a situation with James is, Lord, I want more, I, want, I need more money. Well, where's the money you're spending? Where, where's the money you got right now going, right? Where's it all go? I mean, you're making some money. Where's it all go? Well, I'm, uh, you know, I got this debt, I got that debt, I got this debt. I, and, and what happens is people will take their income and they'll fill it up completely with, with all these things, right? None of them are, individually, none of them are just, there's no inherent thing wrong with wanting a couch or a chair or whatever, right? But if you go down to the local uh, buy now, pay later place uh, and buy like a, uh, like a washing machine, you're going to spend like $4,000 in that washing machine but it's only $16 a week. Yeah, but it's $16 a week the rest of your life, right? And if you add it all up, it's going to be a lot of money. And so, uh, and of course, you, you do whatever you want to do, right? And, and again, none of my business, but there is, there's a lot of wisdom that comes along with, with how to manage your money. But when we got married, we went down, and um, we had nothing, right, when we got married. And, and so, well, I did actually, I did have, I did have some nice blue, Furniture, right? Because you're required by law to have blue furniture at least once in your life, right? So we had blue furniture, blue, velvety, suede. It was awesome, right? Uh, I mean, uh, I think Graceland was wanting it, right? Elvis's uh, mansion was wanting their furniture back. Uh, and so it was, it was amazing furniture. And so, um, so uh, and, and see, uh, you know, I did learn some, uh, I didn't know everything I know now. I wish I knew everything I knew now then. Uh, and so I bought that furniture on time, and I regret, I've regretted it for 34 years, right? Actually, before we got married, and so, because uh, I wanted new furniture, right? And, you know, I hadn't read all these verses before, uh, and I hadn't studied these things out and learned them like I had now. So when we got married, I was still paying off on it, uh, and we finally got it paid off. But well, we, we decided, well, we'll just go buy what we can afford. So we didn't have a washer and dryer. We just, we went to the, we as in Chris went to the laundromat I went on occasion, rare occasion, but, uh, uh, but we did get one after a couple months. But we bought, I remember one, we bought a stove and a refrigerator for $75, right? Both of them together, you know. Now the stove was only like this tall and it only made ice on the sides of the, of the, of the freezer, right? Uh, and so, because it, it, was, it wasn't frost free. And the stove was actually made by General Motors. Right. Anybody remember General Motors used to make stoves? So back in the war, back in World War II, a lot of the automakers switched over to making uh, uh, home goods because nobody's buying cars, right? So they, they had all this manufacturing capacity, so they, would, so they made stoves, right? And we had, a, we had a General Motors stove, right? And, and it had a 454 V8 engine in it and a, and a uh, uh, four-speed transmission, and it was amazing, right? Uh, and, and you turn this thing on, and like all the lights in Cookville would dim. It's like, boom. I mean, they're just, just big, giant eyes on it, you know. Uh, and, uh, and you couldn't kill the thing, right? I and mean, we, we had it until we, we afforded to, but see, we could pay for cash for that, and, and we weren't out, you know, a bunch of money every week for the rest of our life. And so we didn't have a TV when we first got married, and, and because um, we didn't really care about it. Uh, and so, but after a couple months, we bought a, a used washer and dryer. Now, look. I don't buy used washers and dryers anymore because if I want to wash and dry, I just go buy a brand new one and pay whatever I want to pay for it, right? And now the Lord's blessed us to that point now in our lives. But the reason he's blessed us is because I don't have to have a new washer and dryer. I mean, if, you know, if, I, if I have the money to do it, no problem. But 
I don't have to have it, right? See, when you, when you want to be rich, then it matters that you, that you buy only brand new stuff, right? Top of the line stuff. But, you know, it's not, you can't take it with you. So what, what's it matter, right? And so, you know, there's a lot of wisdom that goes, you know, a lot of this stuff is just wisdom. Uh, but see, if your goal is to be rich, then you have to have the, the only brand new washer and dryer, right? The, 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 the $3,000 washer and dryer. Now, a friend of mine, he's a contractor. He, he builds these, these high-end, like multi-million dollar houses, right? And, he, and um, you know, these are very rich people that buy these things, right? And so, and, and they're all custom. So, so he, he was uh, specking out the stuff and he specked out the stove and, and uh, so the lady said, well, well, what stove are you buying? Well, I'm buying this stove. You know, it's like handcrafted uh, by the little short people in France. Uh, and, uh, and they'll deliver it, you know, it's super expensive, right? It's all gold-plated, whatever. And, well, how much does it cost? She said, well, it, it costs $25,000. She goes, oh, no. She said, it needs to cost at least twice that much. And so she didn't care what it was. She didn't care what it looked like. She didn't care what the brand was. It just has to cost $50,000. And it's like, okay, I mean, we can find, you know, add some gold, you know, to it. I mean, maybe, you know, have, have nuclear uh, power over here or something. I don't know. But, uh, I don't, I, you know, I don't even know what a $50,000 stove looks like, right? Uh, and so, uh, you know, for me, I, I could care less, right? Um, uh, uh, but, you know, uh, at the same time, look, if, I, if I'm making $100 million a year, what's it matter if you buy a $50,000 stove? Well, you shouldn't have that much money. It's, if the Lord's multiplying you 100-fold, and, and you're really serving the Lord. Now, I don't know if that lady's serving the Lord or not. You know, there are a lot of rich people who are just rich because they're, you know, because they're rich, right? I, I'm not even going to say they're wrong. Now, some, some of them are wrong, obviously. They, they, they earn their income in, in shady ways. But some people just make wise business decisions, right? Not even from the Lord. Just they're smart and they know those things. And, uh, and so I, I don't judge people. I don't care what your bank account is. If you've got a big bank account, I don't care. If you've got a zero bank account, I don't care. Uh, and the Lord doesn't either, but, uh, but if you follow the Lord, he said he's going to multiply you a hundredfold, whatever you do on his behalf. Uh, and so, so maybe you can afford uh, a, uh, um, you know, a, a $50,000 stove, right? Maybe that's important to you. Uh, and, and again, from my perspective, is it wrong? I don't, I don't care. I don't think the Lord cares, right? Uh, and because um, they well, what could you do with that $50,000? If you make $100 million a year, that's, 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 that's couch cushion change, right? That's, that's nothing, amen? And so, uh, uh, you know, some of these people make a lot of money a year. And so, again, a lot of times the churches, it, uh, uh, in fact, uh, Jared was telling me about one fellow said, told him, because he had some conversations with some of his uh, instructors over the years, and they said, uh, well, the Lord wants to bless you, but not too much, mm-hmm. right? But basically they said, well, you can't, you can buy... Uh, you know, the Lord wants you to have certain things, but not, you can ask for anything you want to, but not anything big, right? Is that, is that what he said? How did he say that? Uh, you, you can't ask for big things, right? Uh, I think basically is what the, what the professor told him. You can't ask for big things. And I'm thinking, well, well who's, who's the arbiter of that, right? Who decides on what's big and what's little? Right? I mean, if, again, if you're making $100 million a year, there's no big things, right? I mean, there's nothing big. I mean, you know, I know, I think... Uh, I don't even know what it is, but I know some of these billionaires, you know, they got, you know, 70 bedrooms in their house. I don't, I don't want, you got 70 bedrooms, you know how many pillows you got to buy, right? I mean, you got, I mean, I got to make the bed every day, right? And just one bed is enough for me, right? I think we can make 70 beds every day. I ain't doing it. Uh, and so, uh, and so, uh, again, it, it's, it's not, it's not, there's no amount, right? 
Because Jesus said, ask what you will and shall be done unto you, right? Uh, if you abide in me, my words abide in you, ask what you will and shall be done unto you. So did he put any constraint on that? No. Uh, and so, again, if, if constraint is, Lord, you know, I just want that thing, right? Uh, again, if it's just a desire for that, that's fine. But if it's, Lord, I want that thing so I can appear to be rich, so I can show everybody that I'm rich, well, then that's a problem. Now, who's going to decide on that attitude? Well, what James says is you ask, you ask and receive not because you ask incorrectly. So uh, if you just want to consume it upon your own uh, lust, your own desires, uh, and, to, and to have a show, well, then the only one who can judge that is the Lord. Because could two people ask for the exact same thing and one ask with the wrong attitude and one ask with the right attitude? Well, sure. Well, who's the only one who can decide the difference? Only the Lord can. So I stay out of the business of judging anybody Whatever you have, I don't care what you have, right? Uh, and, and, but, you know, I know, I know years ago uh, we had this one, one lady at the church. She was very wealthy uh, and, uh, you know, a uh, good, good, solid member of the church. But because of her wealth, she, she went out and bought a houseboat, right? Does the Lord care if you have a houseboat? I don't think he could, he could care less, right? The, the, the material things are just so unimportant. But after she bought a houseboat, that was the last time we ever saw her. Because Sundays are the perfect day to go on the, on the boat because nobody's on the water. Water's smooth and cool, you know, nobody's running around making waves and stuff. So uh, it cost her dearly to buy that houseboat. She quit coming to church, right? Quit hearing the word of God, backslid from the Lord. Uh, and is that worth it? Is it worth it to, to backslide from the Lord? So is there anything worth that much? Well, there's nothing worth that much, right? Uh, and so uh, back to Timothy there, he says... Uh, that if you do these things, then, then it's going to result in all these temptations, snares, foolish and hurtful lusts. Uh, he said in verse 10, For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. And so does it say, for money is the root of all evil? Money is not the root of all evil, right? Uh, the love of money is the root of all evil. And that's really the issue. It's, if it's money, 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 Right. If I have a conversation with you, and, and uh, like I told you, a friend of mine, you could talk to him a hundred times a week, and within three minutes, he's talking about money. Money, 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 money. It's always money. Well, what, what was the issue? The love of money. He loved money. He wanted money, right? And he wasn't, you know, he wasn't very well-to-do. He was, you know, they, they, were, uh, they weren't poor, but, you know, they, they had, uh, uh, I think, four kids, and, uh, and so you got... Four kids, they're like having four locusts, right? They just consume everything in their path, right? Just kids just... I mean, when my kids were in, in, in sports, they were like locusts. They just eat everything. Or if it wasn't moved, they'd eat it, right? Like, where'd that couch go? Uh, sorry, there was no food in the fridge, right? Uh, and so, uh, uh, you know, the, 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 it does take a, a substantial amount of income to care for, for four children, right? Especially if, they, if they're uh, hungry and ravenous like all of mine were during sports seasons. And so... Uh, so the issue is, it's not money, right? Uh, it, it, money is not the root of all evil. Money is, the, money is just a physical object. There's nothing inherently spiritual or unspiritual about it. But if, if, when you think about, if all you think about is money, how can I make an extra dollar? How can I you know, increase my, my wealth? And you're, you're always tracking your personal wealth. And you're always tracking this and that. And, and always, you know, uh, look, uh, if your job is a stock market or if you just have that tendency. Uh, you know, to be honest, years ago, the Lord said, he told me specifically, he said, I don't want you uh, playing the stock market uh, because I, personally I would have a tendency to be consumed by that. I mean, I'd read all the, 
all the, the, the yearly statements and, and look at all the P&L statements and, 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 you know, I'd look at all the numbers and I'd be just consumed with, with these things because that's, if you really want to do well in the stock market, then you need to know all those numbers, right? The profit loss ratios and, and all those, you know, uh, just everything, right? Uh, and, uh, and if you're not careful, you would be consumed by that. Now, did he tell everybody to not do that? No, he told me not to do that. So would it be wrong for you to do that? That's none of my business, right? Uh, but see, uh, because I know, I know myself, I would have a tendency to be all consumed by that. You know, Because well, once you learn things, then you can keep adding to that knowledge and keep increasing your knowledge and you end up spending all the time doing that. Uh, now, for some people, that'd be perfectly fine. They could do that and it wouldn't consume them. Uh, and, and even if it did consume them, if that was their full-time job, again, so there's nothing inherently wrong with that. But for me, it would be wrong, right? It doesn't mean I never bought any stocks, but I don't, I don't, I'm not reading the, uh, you know, back in the day, uh, you, they used to print the stock market, you know, on the paper, newspaper, right? You had to go to the newspaper and open up the newspaper and read the whole stock market, right? And I was fascinated. It's like, well, they print that every single day, right? Uh, and, of course, they don't do that anymore, right? That's back when uh, everything was made out of rock and stone, but uh, they've invented electricity since then. So, uh, so. Uh, you know, uh, for me, see, if I had, if I had gotten uh, involved with that, then I would be on the edge of the love of money, right? Because, man, I'm, I just made 30 cents on every stock I own today. Uh, and it would be, be all-consuming. So uh, you have to be, uh, he said, which while some coveted after. So that's the issue right there. Uh, coveting is just, you know, desiring. It's a strong desire, right? So it's not, it's not just a desire. It's a strong desire. Uh, and again, if, you're, if your strong desire is just money, 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 money then that's the issue. If your desire is, is the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, then he's going to still return a hundredfold to you. And when he returns it to you, you know, there's lots of times where Chris and I have come into a lot of money and we say, Lord, you know, our first thought is, well, we can go on vacation, we can buy a car, we can, you know, expand a house, we can, we can do this. Our first thoughts is, Lord, what, what do you want us to do with this money? You know, what, is there something else you want us to do with this? You know, we, we don't immediately think of all the things we can spend that money on. Our first thoughts is, Lord, what do you want us to do with that? Uh, and we've come into uh, different sums of money over the years. Uh, and so, so, again, if we could find that balance, there, there's no limit to what the Lord wants to provide to, and bring in through your hands. Because we, we look at the examples of the Old Testament especially, the, the greatest men and women of God of the Old Covenant were, were very extremely wealthy person, right? I mean, Job was the wealthiest person of his whole time frame. Solomon was the richest king there ever was. And David was... Was, was the richest king. But, but when you think about the rich kings, anybody ever think about David? Nobody ever thinks about David. I mean, we think about Solomon, right? Because the Bible says when Solomon was king that, uh, that he'd made silver like it was worth nothing. He had so much silver and gold that silver was just worth nothing because he had so much of it. But just real quick, turn to, to uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 29, and we'll just see what, um, what the Bible says about David. Because again, David was never really known for... Um, for his vast wealth, and yet uh, we can see here what David did. Now, was David a man after God's own heart? Did David try to serve the Lord, even though he failed with Bathsheba and actual other times too? Uh, but uh, we know uh, as far as David goes, he wanted to build the Lord uh, a temple, right? And the Lord said, no, you've been a man of war, and I don't really want uh, you to be the one to build the house. Let's let Solomon, your son, build the house. Uh, of the Lord. Let's let Solomon build the temple of the Lord. And Solomon did. 
But, so, but David didn't just sit around and just say, okay, fine, nothing for me to do. No, it says, it says here, I start in, in verse 1 of 1 Chronicles chapter 29. Furthermore, David the king said unto all the congregation, Solomon, my son, whom alone God had chosen, is yet young and tender, and the work of building a house is great. For the palace is not for man, but for the Lord God. So, so David you know, knew Solomon was going to build it, but he's young. Uh, so David says, now, ha, now I have prepared with all my might for the house of my God, the gold for things to be made of gold and silver for the things to be made of silver, the brass for things of brass, the iron for things of iron, wood for things of wood, onyx stones, stones to be set, glistening stones, diverse colors, all manner of precious stones, marble stones in abundance. Uh, moreover, because I have set my affection to the house of my God, I have on my own proper good, right, my own personal property of gold and silver, which I have given to the house of my God uh, over and above all that I prepared for the holy house. And we'll talk about the, verse, the other verses here in just a second. But he says, because I have set my affection to the house of my God, I have of my own personal property, my own proper good, gold and silver, uh, and such that I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I prepared for the holy house. So as king, you know, David, as king, he could take the, take the uh, resources of the kingdom and set that aside for the construction of the house. But he didn't just take the resources of the kingdom. He took out of his own checking account, out of his own personal goods for the construction of the house of God. Uh, and again, and, and, and I love this verse because, personally because it says, because I have set my affection to the house of my God. And if we would do that, if the church would set their affection to God, right? And when he's talking about the house, he's talking about the, the work of God here. If the church would keep their affection towards the Lord, there's just no limit to what the Lord will bring into your own uh, personal finances, right? Uh, and so uh, he said, then he, then he starts giving numbers. Uh, he says uh, in verse four, even 3,000 talents of gold, uh, of the gold of Ophir, which is the best gold there was, uh, and 7,000 talents of refined silver to overlay the walls of the house withal. Uh, the gold for things of gold, the silver for things of silver, and for all manner of work to be made by the hands of artificers. And who then is willing to consecrate his service this day unto the Lord? So the, the temple of God, the, the first temple that Solomon built here, every wall, it, it was like a 20 by uh, 40 by 20 foot uh, uh, temple was the size of the temple. And so all, it's a basically the size of like a racquetball court. And so every wall was overlaid with gold, right? Solid gold, right? And so uh, that's a lot of gold to do that, right? And of course, you know, we know you can, you can uh, mash gold down pretty thin. But uh, I put it in my, my notes here somewhere that, uh, that David, this is uh, actually in my Bible here in verse 4, that what David said, the 3,000 3, talents of gold, uh, is equivalent to just the gold at that time. This my Bible was printed in 1990 or so. That's 17 billion dollars. So David, out of his own out of his own checking account, right, wrote a check for 17 billion dollars for the construction of the temple. Why? Because he set his affection on the house of the gold. He didn't set his affection on being rich. Nobody ever thinks about when they think about rich kings. Oh, David was a rich king. Nobody ever thinks about that. Everything's about Solomon, who was uh, even great, greater than David was a rich king. But David, I mean, $17 billion, that's not so bad, right? Uh, anybody, anybody remember uh, the fellow by the name of Ted Turner? Ted Turner used to run uh, Turner Broadcasting Network, uh, and he started CNN, you know, all those things, and he was a billionaire. And I remember years ago, he came out and said, I'm going to donate a billion dollars. 
you know, I'm going to give away a billion dollars. And I don't know if he ever did it or not, but, but he made a big show. I'm going to give away a billion dollars. I'm just, yawn. David did that thousands of years ago, 17 times more than, than you've given away, right? Uh, and why? Because he, his affection was, to how, was towards the house of his God. So uh, in all of these things, and, and really for, for the next several verses of, of Philippians, Paul is talking specifically about sowing and reaping and giving uh, into the ministry there. And so we need to spend some time talking about that because if that's what Paul is talking about, then that's what we should talk about, right? We shouldn't ignore these verses and act like they're wrong to, to, uh, to look at them. Uh, but we need to find the balance, right? The, the balance is set your affection on the house of God. Right? Set your affection to the Lord and what He desires to do. And there's no limit to what the Lord will provide for you and through you, right? Because if you give it away as fast as you can get it, then uh, by the direction of the Lord, right? Then, um, then there's just no limit to what the Lord will do for you. But if, if all you want to do is, Lord, I want to buy this, buy that, buy this, buy that, then, then you're failing in what James 4 says, right, about that you want to consume it upon your own lust. So who's the only one who can judge that? Well, that's between you and Lord, right? I, I can't judge that. I can't say because you have a nice car, a nice watch, or whatever, um, you know, then, then, then you're wrong. Because I, I, I don't care. The, and uh, I mean... Where did David have all this $17 billion worth of gold? He had it stashed somewhere, right? Uh, and, and, you know, was that wrong? Oh, I can't, you, look at you, all, you accumulating all that gold. David's like, so? I, I can't help it. The Lord, every time I'll go out there, you know, the Lord says, you go, go to that battle over there. And I go to the battle, and, and we clean up, and we get, you know, uh, $100 billion worth of gold. And I, give it, I give, you know, most of it away to all the people that came with me, and then I keep some of it for myself, and I can't help it. The Lord just blessing me every time I go out, and the Lord blesses me. Uh, and so, but let's find that balance, right? Uh, uh, if, uh, if all we talk about is money, and the reason why we're talking about money is because here where we're at in Philippians chapter 4, he's talking about money. Uh, in all the years that uh, we've been at church, you know, it's very rare that I even talk about money as far as teaching about it. But uh, we can't ignore these verses, and so we need to look at them. Uh, because Paul does talk about being in poverty, you know, being a want, and those will be the next verses that we look at in Philippians, but we'll have to pick that up next week there. So, so uh, Paul does warn people to, to, what's your love? See, David said, my affection was to the house of my God. Paul said, if your affection is for money, then you, it, will, it will harm you, right? Uh, and, and so the, the thing that we have, if we can ever get comfortable in our faith that because uh, he said uh, earlier that uh, 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 that we brought nothing to this world, and certainly we can carry nothing out. And later on, we'll look at some other verses uh, similar to that. Uh, will the Lord always watch over you? See, if you're convinced of that, then you're never under pressure about money. Right. If you really know the Lord will, will watch over you and take care of you, then then you're not just just uh, counting all your pennies every day and seeing how, how much you get, because uh, you know the Lord's going to take care of you. And so you may look and go, wow, David might have looked over that. You know, I didn't realize I got $17 billion to go. What do you, what do you want to do with that? Well, let's just give it away. You want to? Okay, yeah, we can do that, right? Uh, and there's lots of parables about that. You know, the man that, that said, you know, that he got all this extra wealth, and he said, uh, he said, so what should I do? And so he said, I'm going to tear down. I'm going to build bigger barns, right? Uh, and I want to keep it all even more. Uh, see, if it be me, if it's me, it's like, you know, well, who could I help more, Right? Uh, you know, I'm thinking if we had that much money, 
uh, $17 million, how many churches would be a blessing you call them and say, hey, you got a mortgage? Yeah, well, it's paid off. I mean, wouldn't that be a, a great blessing if you were, you know, had $17 billion, just call up all the churches in your county and pay off all their mortgages? Wouldn't that be a blessing, right? Uh, all these little churches that, that uh, in fact, we, we had uh, a lady come by and, and um, she, was, she was homeless and needed, needed some help. And, you know, we said, well, we got some food. We can give you, we got boxes of food. And I said, uh, where do you go to church? Uh, and, and she said, well, I go to such a church. She said, uh, but they're a small church. They can't help me. And, you know, and I'm thinking, well, you know, that's kind of the job of the church is to help you, right? And so, um, but maybe they can't help her because they've got a big mortgage. Wouldn't it be nice to call them up and say, hey, your mortgage is paid for. Uh, I remember years ago, my pastor, uh, uh, when I was with my pastor, he called up a church and he noticed that their sign was all messed up. And he said, hey, can I, uh, we'll just buy you a new sign. Is it okay if we buy you a new sign? Uh, and it was a denominational church, you know, so, you know, we were Pentecostal, and so he, uh, you know, they don't always get along so well, but if somebody called up and said, hey, you know, we'd like to paint your building for you or something, right, and, and if I needed my building painted, I'd be like, sweet, when do you want to start? And they said, no, we're not really comfortable with that, and so they wouldn't let him do it, <laughs> and so they just left this, this old broken down sign there for, for a long time. They finally did replace it, I think, but uh, it was just a really odd thing, you know, that uh, they wouldn't let him help there. So, uh, so uh, my, my goal in, in this teaching here is to, for us to find the balance of these things uh, and, and to not be over here poverty-minded on one side or on the other side money-minded, right? We don't want to be, uh, we don't wanna be uh, the lovers of money and we don't want to be poverty-minded. Uh, and, and I'll tell you, tell you this and we'll go. I know uh, one of the things when, uh, you know, when Brother Hagen was around, Kenneth E. Hagen was around, and one of the visions he had with the Lord Jesus, uh, after the Lord spent some time talking about uh, just different things, uh, he was he was started to walk off, and he turned around and he said, he said, always be careful about money. He said, for many that I have placed my anointing on became money conscious, and lost the anointing, uh, and it was a great warning to Brother Hagen, you know, to, and of course he was in the ministry for seventy years before he went home to be with the Lord, uh, and he had a large multi-million dollar. Uh, worldwide ministry, you know, when he was alive, uh, and yet he never begged one time for money. You know, sometimes he'd say, hey, we're building a new building. It's going to cost him us money. If you'd like to give towards that, you know, that'd be great. Uh, and that's about how he would say it, you know, but he never made a, a strong pull for money. Uh, he would just, you know, uh, but most of the time he would just, uh, and he never let other people receive his offering because they would spend an hour talking, you know. He'd get up and say, you know, let's get ready and give to the Lord. Has the Lord been good to us? Yes. Well, then let's give to him. Uh, and it's just really, really simple, right? Not, no big push for money. And that's really God's desire is that uh, the church is not money conscious because uh, the Lord uh, will not compete, right? You cannot serve God and mammon. Remember Jesus said that, right? Mammon means money. <clears throat> and so you can't serve God and money. And yet many men, including people in the church, want to serve money. And, and it causes them difficulty. Amen. So let's pray. We'll thank the Lord for that, for that and then we'll, we'll close the service. So, Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, for your goodness and kindness and mercy that you've shown to us each and every day. And, Father, we thank you that your word is so. And, Lord, we ask you to help us find the balance in each of our lives, Father, to find the balance where we want to serve you and that our, our affection is towards you, Father. Uh, and, Lord, if that's so, then there's no limit to what you'll provide for us in this life, Father, now and this time. And so, Father, we want to keep our focus entirely upon you. 
Uh, and as we do so, Father, we thank you that you always provide for us, that we'll never be without. Uh, and we thank you for these things, Father. We give you the praise and the honor for them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, we talked about money all night, so I guess we can receive an offering. You want to? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, what's that? Letourneau College. Letourneau, no, no. It was uh, founded by a guy named John Letourneau. He was an immigrant, came to this country, poverty. But he invented something that made him a billionaire. Yep. And, uh, Oh, uh, yeah. They yeah. The yeah. Really? Yeah. 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 And he had a chauffeur, maids, and yeah. homes, yeah. cars. Well, how many people could give away 90% and still live that way, right? So, you know, it's just one of those things that uh, we get so bent out of shape when people have things. I mean, was it, was it a baseball player the other day? What was, his, what was his contract he got, Jared? It was like $300 million contract or 700, is it a $700 million contract? It was, what's that? Yeah, to hit it, uh, you, to swing a stick, right? He got like seven, $700 million. I don't know how many, over how many years it's, it is for, and look, I, I don't have any problem with it. No, I mean, I don't, it doesn't bother me, but that he got a $700 million contract. But when people in a church, ha, you know, have a nice car, you know, people, oh, look at them, you know. Uh, uh, and so, I mean, it's just, uh, nobody seems to care that this guy singing, swinging a stick at a little round object, you know, taking out anger issues on a plate is worth $700 million, you know, but uh, I don't remember how much it was, but it was, it was several hundred million dollars, I know. Uh, and, but, I, you know, I always say I'm glad for him, right? I never, because I'm not going to be jaundiced and, and, and I'm not going to be um, uh, covetous over his money. Well, he shouldn't have that money. I should, you know, I'm doing the work of the Lord. I should have that money. Well, that's being covetous, right? That's wanting something that doesn't belong to you. That's what being covetous primarily means, right? Come in, had Mr. Jared received the offering, uh, and um, and so let's find the balance of these things because you know I believe the Lord. Uh, I mean, first of all, Paul went all over the world, right? Well, how how did he pay for these ships? Because you you know you don't walk everywhere. Even back then, you don't walk everywhere. You take ships and you take you know wagons and stuff and horses and mules or whatever. It costs money to go somewhere. And, and Paul talks actually through all of his writings. He does talk actually quite a bit about about finances. And we're not going to go through all those things there, but but. Um, uh, but I think it will be helpful, especially the, the people at Philippi were, very, were a big blessing financially to Paul's ministry. And, he, and that's what he's finishing up the book there and talking to them and thanking them for their support, right? Uh, but he does warn Timothy, be careful, right? Find the balance there. And so let's, keep, let's find the balance, amen? All right, don't forget Sunday. Uh, we've we'll, got a busy day on Sunday with the church service and then, um, uh, and then the finger foods and the Christmas party and then putting the, the bags together for the inmates, right? So we got 240 bags. Uh, I guess they stay at full capacity about all the time. they got 240 inmates, and so we're going to make those bags up, and we'll deliver them for, the, for Christmas there. Amen? All right. Uh, well, you be blessed. We'll see you on Sunday, right? <laughs>